Well, you open your Bibles, please, to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter number 26. And it's a joy to have all of you here and all those who join us by the means of the Internet today. And uh, thank the Lord for you being part of the services. And we rejoice uh, for this outreach ministry. And I don't know if we're on the radio live today or not. We're not. And uh, But you can listen to the broadcast or rebroadcast of Vince Grove Baptist Church services uh, on Sunday afternoon in the Dunn Station, 780 on the AM dial at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And we have good response. Joy to have you here. Thank the Lord. Boy, I'm excited about what God's going to do in Sunday school and what he's going to do in the church this year. He's, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we are able to ask or to think. And I can think some pretty big things. But you know what? God can do more than... We can pray or we can think. God can God can do exceedingly abundantly and just amaze us at what he's doing. And I thank the Lord for you being here today. I'll share a few announcements with you at the close of the service today. But I want to get right into the message this morning and share with you if you have been with us, if you haven't been with us in recent days. We are going through the book of Isaiah. And uh, I need to get my lapel mic. I apologize. I got busy doing another thing. Didn't do it today. But we've been going through the book of Isaiah. There's no other book in the Bible quoted in the New Testament more than the book of Isaiah. Our Lord particularly quoted many times the book of Isaiah. And it's a wonderful prophecy written some 700 years at least before Christ ever came. And he prophesied many things about the birth of our Lord, about the sacrifice and death of our Lord. But many things about the nation of Israel and end time Bible prophecy. And what you're seeing today... On, in your in daily life is a fulfillment of that prophecy. Let me remind you once again that many, many years ago, God called a man by the name of Abram, changed his name to Abraham. He became the father of what we now know is the nation of Israel. Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac had a son named Jacob. Also had one named Esau, wherein comes a lot of problem in the Middle East right now. But Jacob's name, remember Jacob wrestled with God and God changed his name to Israel. He had 12 sons. Out of those 12 sons come what we call the 12 tribes of Israel. God made a promise to Israel and to Abraham that through his seed would all the nation of the earth be blessed. And Paul points out in the New Testament, not seed plural, but seed singular. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ came through the lineage of Abraham, David, and so on. And uh, But he is the Messiah of Israel, but he is the head and the savior of every person in this time we call the age of grace. God's dealing with the nation of Israel right now as a nation. He's bringing them back into the land. 1948, Israel, the star of David flew once again over the land of Israel. And God has put them there. They'll be there for, for now until through the, uh, the millennial reign of Christ or through the tribulation period. And uh, God has appointed that. God's given them that land. But he's promised to Israel there's coming a time that they will look to Messiah. Now, please understand, Israel is not a Christian nation. There's a one, like 2% of the nation of Israel is Christian. The rest of them are, are, are either Jews or there's some Islamic people who actually live in Israel and other people. A small percentage of those who know Lord Jesus Christ. Worldwide, there are many Jews who know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And they were saved just exactly like you are. They heard, they heard the gospel. They responded in faith and were born again by the grace of God. They're part of the bride of Christ. They're part of the church. But the nation of Israel as a whole, God's dealing with. And he's going he's to continue to work with them. And especially as we come down to the end of time. Very soon now, the rapture of the church will take place. I believe that. I, I personally believe, as, as Brother Burke does and some others, that it'll happen in my lifetime. I'm going to look for it. 
And you say, Brother Bill, suppose it doesn't come. That's all right. Uh, it's all right. But I believe he's coming. And what he's going to do, he's going to take out of this world every person who's redeemed by the blood of the Lamb worldwide. Everybody who's saved. They'll be caught up together to meet our loved ones in the clouds and to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Then God is dealing with this world. And what you read about the book of Revelation on two Sunday nights ago, we read the entire book of Revelation here in our church. And uh, God blessed that and honored that. Blessed is he that readeth and he that heareth the prophecies of this book and keepeth them. That's an important thing to keep them. But at any rate, he, he turns, once the church is taken out, all those who are redeemed, God begins to deal on this earth. Antichrist will come to the forefront. He'll become a world leader. I, I heard a man on the news this morning, I think. They were talking to him about uh, maybe the inauguration or something. An older man and his desire for this country. And he said, I'm interested in world peace. His voice began to break and he began to weep. He said, world peace. I want world peace. Well, I want to tell you something. There'll be no peace on earth till the Prince of Peace rules on this earth. And it's called the millennial reign of Christ. There'll be continual conflict until that time. Jesus said, you'll hear wars and rumors of war. Don't be disturbed. That's going to be going on right on through till Jesus comes back. Now, once the rapture takes place, seven years, the book of Daniel, chapter number nine, seven years in this earth called the tribulation period. During that first part of that tribulation period, Antichrist, the embodiment of Satan himself, will come to the forefront. He will become a world leader. He'll unify the world economically and spiritually. He'll become a world leader. He's even going to make peace with Israel. Israel will dwell at peace in their land. He'll give them permission to rebuild the temple, which they've already made preparation for. And uh, that's exciting. If you ever go on a website, Israel, uh, you, you go to the uh, Temple Restoration website. Uh, and it's just listed as that, I think. And it's not a Christian website. It's a Jewish website. They'll tell you everything they're doing about uh, preparations to rebuild the temple. Uh, everything from having all the, the utensils they'll need in the temple to the garments of the high priest. All of those things are going to are in preparation right now. They're ready to rebuild that temple, ready to go back to temple sacrifice. And Antichrist is going to make a covenant with the Jews, allow them to rebuild the temple, but they'll never worship in that temple. When the temple is completed, he'll step into that temple. It's called the abomination of desolation. He'll proclaim himself to be God and demand that the whole world worship him. That's during the first three and a half years of that tribulation period. The last three and a half years called the great tribulation period, the time of Jacob's trouble. During those days, Antichrist would declare world war on all of the Jews. He wanted to destroy Israel completely, annihilate them from the face of the earth. All the nations of the earth will come against Jerusalem at one point in time. And uh, during, during that time, God will begin to pour out his wrath on this earth. You can read it in the book of Revelation. You, you, many people say what's going on in Revelation is all figurative. I don't believe that. I believe the rivers are turned to blood. I believe the, the oceans were turned to blood. I believe there'll be great fire that falls from heaven. I believe that demons will come up out of that bottomless pit and they'll be given power to torment men. Men will seek death and not be able to die. And uh, awful things going on. But it's a time of trouble. But in that time of trouble, Israel were turned to the Lord. And in, Jer- uh, in Zechariah chapter 12, he poured his house upon the, his spirit upon the house of David. And they'll look on him whom they pierced. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. They'll mourn for him as of an only begotten son. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And a nation will be born again in a day. And that's a wonderful time. Well, all those things are going to happen. Now, those things were prophesied many years before here by Isaiah. In the history of Israel, they became a prominent nation in the land of Israel. 
But they turned their back on God. The kingdom divided. The ten tribes to the north quickly turned into idolatry. They would not go back to Jerusalem to worship. They turned their back on God. They began to worship the idols and the gods of the Moabites and the Amorites. And God sent judgment in the form of the nation of Assyria. And those ten tribes to the north were taken into captivity. And then after that, shortly after that, the, ten, the two tribes left in the south. They followed suit. They saw what happened. They saw judgment come. They saw what happens when you turn your back on God. And they would not listen. Now, why would they not listen? I'll read it to you in a minute. Why would they not listen? Uh, but they, they would not repent. Remember in the book of Revelation we read last week during the tribulation period that God's going to send judgment. The sun will become seven times hotter. It'll scorch men. And the Bible said, and they'll blaspheme God. They'll just cuss God out. For all the judgments on the earth. And the Bible said, and they repented not. They would not repent. God's goodness now deals with men. And it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. God's been so good to you. Been so good to America. Given you space to repent. And you would not repent by his goodness. He'll pour out his wrath upon the earth in the tribulation period. Still people won't repent. I'll tell you, you need to turn to Christ right now. You, if you miss the rapture, you've missed it. Uh, you'll never have a chance to be saved because your, your day, you've already heard the gospel. Your day's already over with. The Bible said he'll send strong delusions. They might believe a lie that they might all be damned who believe not the truth. So if you know Christ died for your sin, and you've not yet repented. My advice to you today is don't wait. You need to get saved today. You need to trust him today. Be born again by the grace of God. But Israel, the ten tribes went by the Assyrians into captivity. The two, the two tribes to the south a few years later went into captivity by the Babylonians. But God made a promise in the book of Isaiah. We hadn't got there yet, but I'll read it on as we go through the book of Isaiah. And he prophesied a man was going to come in power named Cyrus. And he did, king of Persia. And the Persian empire overran the Assyrians and the Babylonians. And he allowed Israel to go back into the land. Now that's prophesied, but that's not the ultimate. That's not the final time. Because they go back into the land. Do you remember when Jesus came? They had synagogues. They worshipped in synagogues. But they did not worship idols. He cured them of idolatry. And they have been seeking all this time their Messiah. But when he came, he came into his own. And his own received him not. They didn't receive him. They didn't recognize the Messiah. And that's still going on down. Blindness in part has happened to Israel. That you and I have been grafted in. We've been born again by the grace of God. It's now the church age. Now... God's still dealing with Israel. And right now, there's a nation called Israel. There's a remnant of that. Those who, according to God's covenant of grace, are being saved and born again, washed in the blood. But he's not forsaken all of Israel. We read that a few weeks ago in the book of Romans. Now, that's kind of a long introduction, isn't it? But now, listen, I want you to look with me in in Isaiah chapter number 26. And here we are. What he's prophesying in Isaiah chapter 26 is in that day. In that day. That's the day of restoration of Israel. That's the day when God has brought them back in. That's the day. And it, and it applies primarily, I think, to the millennial reign of Christ. But it's in that day when God brings them back. But now notice, I want to read uh, several verses here. I thought I might read the whole chapter. Probably will not because there are three key verses this morning. But I want to go back and read Isaiah 26 verse 1. In that day. And remember that phrase. Look over in chapter 27, verse 1. In that day. Now, he's talking about a particular time in history. It's not figurative. It's a time that's going to happen. In that day, 
shall this song be sung in the land, uh, in the land of Judah. We have a strong city and salvation will God appoint for walls and bullocks. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation, which keepeth the truth, may enter in. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind shall stay on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Remember that little phrase, if you have a marginal reference? Everlasting strength literally means the rock of ages. Thank God I'm glad I'm in the rock of ages. I'm in the cleft of that rock, and that's the rock of ages. For he bringeth down them that dwell on high. The lofty city layeth it low. He layeth it low even to the ground. And he bringeth it even to dust. The the foot shall tread it down. Even the foot of the poor and the steps of the needy. The way of the just is uprightness. Thou most upright dost weigh the path of the just. Yea, in the way of judgment, O Lord, have we waited for thee. The desire of our soul is in thy name. And to remember, and the remembrance of thee. With my soul I have I desired thee in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Now listen, here's my part of my text for this morning. He's talking about when God come in this, in this time of, of righteousness. Let favor be showed to the wicked. Yet will he not learn righteousness. He said, you let favor, and that word favor means grace. You let grace be showed to the wicked, yet he will not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness will he deal unjustly and will not behold the majesty of the Lord. O Lord, when thy hand is lifted up, they will not see, but they shall see. And be ashamed for their envy at the people. Yea, the fire of thy enemies shall devour them. Verse 12. O Lord, thou wilt ordain peace for us. Now how is it that you can have peace? Look at this next uh, phrase. For thou also hast wrought all our works in us. Now I want to skip over. And I want to come down. And and look at a a passage of scripture, verse 19, and I'll I'll read the last few verses. I'm skipping some passages that maybe you ought to go back and read. Verse 19. Thy dead men shall live. Together with my dead body shall they arise. Awake and sing. Ye that dwell in the dust, for thy dew is as the dew of the herbs, and the earth shall cast out her dead. Come, my people, enter thou into the chambers. Shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself as it were for a little moment until the indignation be passed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. Our time's almost gone for the morning. But will you bow with me for just another moment? Heavenly Father, I pray now the Holy Spirit of God to help me. Give me, God, your touch and anointing. God, help me to share with your people. Our Father, something to be a blessing in their heart. I'll praise you and give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to call your attention quickly to verse number 10. Let, let favor be showed to the wicked, yet will they not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness will he deal unjustly. This is a Bible principle that you and I need to understand. It is not education that causes people to live right. It is not even environment. 
It, it, and if we had, and if we could have in America, a perfect nation, if our legislative laws were all moral, if we lived in a climate where there were uh, excellent governing officials who had no corruption, if all of our schools were perfect, if all of our churches were right, if, if everything in this society was perfect, you know what people do? They'd still sin. They'd still live wicked lives. Even in a land where favor is shown, even in a land of righteousness. Do you remember when I told you about the millennial reign of Christ a while ago? Jesus Christ is going to come at the end of the tribulation period. The great battle of Armageddon. He'll defeat uh, Satan and his army. They'll be cast into the lake of fire. Satan himself will be bound, put in the bottomless pit. He'll stay there till the millennial reign is over. For 1,000 years he'll be there. At the end of a millennial reign, when Christ has ruled and reigned on this earth for a thousand years, perfect peace, the nature of animals has been changed, lying to lay down with the lamb and all those things, he's going to release Satan out of that pit for a short time. You know what's going to happen? He's going to come out of that pit and Satan will go across the, around the world. He'll draw people after him and they'll rebel against the Lord. And that'll be the final battle. And they'll be cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. I've always read that and I've, I've wondered... Man, that, that, how could anybody live through the perfect environment of the millennial reign of Christ and live through the time when Christ actually rules the reign and still, and still turn their back on the Lord? Well, the reason is the, the biblical term or the theological term is called total depravity. It means that we are sold under sin. Romans chapter 5 says this. Whereas by one man sin in the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, and that all have sinned. He said in the book of Galatians that God hath concluded all men under sin. Now you can deny that if you want to. But David said, in sin my mother conceived me. In, in the heart of every human being on the face of the earth, there's spiritual death. He said in the book of Ephesians, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespass and sin. Every person in America... Who's never been saved. Every person in Italy. In Canada. In Mexico. In Germany. In Suriname. In the Philippines. Every human being on the face of the earth. Are part of Adam's race. And by that. We received the nature of Adam. And that's what the Bible describes. As that old man. Paul made another statement in the book of Romans. He said I find then a law. That when I do good. Evil is present with me. Now, that doesn't mean that there's somebody outside of me. It doesn't mean that there's, there's somebody even whispering in my ear, although Satan wars against our mind. He said, I find out that everywhere I go, I carry evil with me. Because inside of every man, woman, boy, and girl on the face of the earth, there's an old man and he's dead. It's called the old nature. It's called the old man. It's that sin nature. That's why people do what they do. And even in this perfect environment, when favor's been shown and righteousness, he said they're still going to do iniquity. They're still going to sin. They're still going to do that because it's inside of people. It's called that old sin nature. It's called depravity. First of all, let me say to you, when Adam sinned, God created Adam. And he said, let us make man in our own image. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He talks about in the New Testament, man is a trinity of body, soul, and spirit. The body you can see. 
It's flesh. The soul has to do with our emotions. The seat of our emotion is that part of you. And we talk about soul music. That's our, that's our emotion. That's the makeup. That's, that's, that's your personality. That's who you are. People have, you say, well, everybody's got a different personality. So that's their soul that's inside of them. That's who they really are. But inside every believer, there's a deadness. I mean, inside every person, there's a deadness. Because when God created Adam, he made him a body, a soul, and spirit. Breathing is not breath of life. Man became a living soul. But when Adam sinned, that spirit part of him died. He still had a physical body because he could get up and walk. He still had emotions. He still had that part of Adam. He still had a name. He was still Adam. He still ex- he experienced something he never had experienced before. Fear. That's an emotion of the soul. Love is an emotion of the soul. All those things. And he had that soul. But what happened inside of him? A death occurred. God said, in the day that you eat that fruit, you'll surely die. And he did. He died spiritually. He's no longer in communion with God, no longer in fellowship with God. Men and women, boys and girls walking around and they're dead men walking. They're, they're walking, breathing, talking, but they're dead inside, spiritually dead. Ephesians said that we were dead in trespasses and sin, spiritually dead. That's why he'd say to Nicodemus, who had been a member of the Sanhedrin, a member of the Pharisees. He said, you must be born again. Oh, he knew the Bible. He knew it intellectually. But he sinned. And so there's something inside of every person who's never been saved that's dead. It's his spirit. You have he quickened. That means made alive. That part of you that's spiritual is dead. Now what does that mean to you? It means not only is there that, that absence of life. Paul described it this way. He said, I know that in me in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. There's no good thing in there. It's not just the deadness that you need to be concerned about. But that old dead, that that deadness, that spiritual death, man, is more than that. It means that it has been contaminated, been defiled. And as, a, as that old man that's inside of you, that person who's alienated from God. You remember Adam? He ran from God. And he hid himself from God. And that's the nature of Adam. That's why people don't flock to the house of God. That's why they don't like the word of God. That's why they don't want to hear the word of God. That's why they don't want to be around the word. of. That's why he said you go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Because pe- people have an aversion to the word of God. They don't want it. They don't, they, don't, they don't have a desire for it. You have to carry it to them. You have to give them the word of God. And they, they, they are like that. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 4. He said that they sin. They cannot but sin, he says, in the book of, because they have an old nature. That's why they do what they do. They have that old nature in them. And not only is that that deadness, but there's, there, is, there is something inside of them that causes them not to want that thing of God. It has in them a, a, the proneness to sin. It, it draws people to sin. That's why you have laws. That's why you have to discipline children. Because people do not naturally want to do good. They naturally do evil. That's why you have to control your lust. Because that's part of you. It's inside of them. Now what about it? And I got a long message in no time. In the book of Isaiah it says this. From the top of your head to the sole of your feet. There's no soundness. No soundness. 
What happened in that fall? What happened when Adam sinned? Did it, you fall a little ways? Did you fall just a little ways? No, you're dead. No spark of goodness in us. None. Until God the Holy Ghost. Oh, you say, I know good moral people. I know people that do good deeds. But listen, it it is not our estimation, but it's God's estimation. He said, all of our righteousness is filthy rags. And listen to what he said. He said, in in regard to man, the book of Isaiah, he said that every part of them is darkness. You know, the Bible said that when the earth was void without form and darkness was upon the face of thee. That's the way it is inside of an unsaved man, woman, boy and girl. There's a darkness in there. And I'll tell you how permeated it is. It's not a little corner of your heart that's darkened. It's not just a little bit of your mind that's darkened. It's like salt water. Like the salt sea. It's all salty. You check it. It's salt water. It's permeated. And in the Bible, he said, from the top of your head to the soul of your feet. What does it affect? It affects your mind. It affects the mind of that person. He describes it in, in places. He said that every thought, every imagination was only evil continually. Jeremiah says that their, their mind was full of vain thoughts. Paul says, profess themselves to be wise, they became fools. Your mind has been affected. So what I think and what you think really don't matter because I've heard of people who said, you know, they, they have dementia and I, and people in, I say, I'm going to go by and visit mama or daddy or somebody. They said, brother Billy, I, I want you to go by, but please don't pay no attention to what they say. And it, it doesn't bother me because they have dementia, they said. And they may say things sometime in the first stage of Alzheimer's. They say things. I heard of a dear preacher one time who, who he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And, and he went to weeping and crying and praying. And they said, why are you praying? And why are you so upset? And he said, or, do you not want to die? He said, no, it's not that. He said, if I die, I'll be glad. He said, but I'm afraid that when I begin to lose my mind, I'll start using profanity again. He says, a lost man, I had a foul mouth. And he said, I'm so afraid. And he said, I've visited hundreds of people at Alzheimer's, people who love God and walk with God. Yet when they begin to lose their mind, they begin to use profanity. It ought to do that, he said. But see, when when Adam failed, it affected our mind. That's why we think like we do. That's why why our, our whole thought process has been fouled up because of the fall. That's why when you get saved, you begin to read the Word of God and you see things in the Word of God, boy, it excites you and, and you love it and you try to share it with some lost family, friend, they don't see it, they don't care, it don't make no difference because their mind is darkened. The Bible said if our gospel hid, it's hid from those that their mind has been blinded. It affected your mind. And not only affected your mind, it affected your heart. Jeremiah 17 verse 19 says that the human heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. That's why men love, listen to what the Bible says now. Men love darkness rather than light. That's why people love things that they ought to hate. That's why you watch people and and things that destroy their body, drugs and alcohol, and they love it and they crave it. And you stand back and look and you think, how could anybody in their right mind do that? Because we have a depraved mind. 
you used to hear of horrible crimes and all those things. And how could I have our minds like that? Our hearts like that. But beyond that, our will is like that. Our will is bent to sinning. We we have drawn that way. People, you you have to restrain from doing evil because you're pulled to it. Every person in here testify that there's a pull into evil. You have to fight not to think bad thoughts. You have to fight not to do bad things. Why is that? Because you're in Adam's race. You're dead in trespasses and sin. You, you hold your mind and your heart and your will and your affections. Your affections are affected by that. I mentioned that just now. Men love darkness rather than light. And we're like that. Let me tell you quickly. I've got a long message. From the top of your head to soul, your feet, no soundness. But not only is it like that, let me just tell you how, how intense that is. How inseparable you are from that. And there's a wonderful scripture in the Bible that describes it. Some people might say quickly, this is not politically correct. But here's what he said. He said, can a leopard change his spots? Or an Ethiopian, the color of his skin? No more can you who do evil now do good. Now, what's he mean by that? He means that that black man who has black skin, that's a part of him. And it's not something you can lay down. It's not something you can turn on and turn off. He can't decide today, I'm going to be white. Leopard can't decide tomorrow, I don't want to be a leopard anymore. I want to be a lion. I'm going to be a leopard right on. And that old nature's part of you. You can decide I'm going to start going to church. You can decide I'm going to get baptized. You can decide I'm going to, I'm going to make myself do right. But the problem is you still got that old nature inside of you. You may try to harness it. You may try to handle it. But it's still there. It's, that, it's part of you. It's your old nature. It's part of you. Not only that, it, it, it manifests itself. I'll, I'll have to finish this later. The book of Romans, he said this. He lists all of those things a part of the unregenerate mind. He said, under their tongues is a poison of asp. He said, there's none that seeketh after God. No, not one. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. It's, it's just part of them. It's just what we do. It's just what people do. That's just part of being human. That's just, that's just the way it is. We concluded all under sin. All of sin and come short of the glory of God. And not only is it is it our nature, not only is there no soundness in us, and not only is there none that doeth good, no, not one. Not only is there none that seeketh after God, no, not one. You say, well, I, people around the world are religious. But have you ever noticed they do not naturally seek the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you ever, have you ever been like me? I watch television. I see people in America who are supposed to be intellectuals and they're college graduates, got doctor's degrees and this, that, and the other. And they will not believe the, the fallacy of the Bible and the foolishness of the Bible. And the next thing you know, they're believing in reincarnation. You know, Shirley MacLaine. Or they embrace what's called Scientology. And they worship that. And they get involved in all these cults and isms and schisms. And you can stand back and look and you say, well, 
Man, it's easier to believe the Bible. Why is that? It's because they don't seek God, not the true God. There's something in them that rebels against God and the gospel, and they hate it. They love darkness rather than light. It's bad enough to be that way. But here's the truth of the matter. With that sin, not only came all the attributes of sin and the nature of sin and the activities of sin that I don't have time to deal with this morning, but also came the condemnation of sin. In Adam all die. The wage of sin is death. He that believeth not on the Lord Jesus Christ is condemned already. Did you know that because of that sin nature, you stand in, in, on this side of God's wrath? The wrath of God abides upon every man, woman, boy, girl, and face of the earth because they were born in Adam's race. Why you say, well, Brother Billy, they don't seem fair. They got that old nature. That's just, that's just the way it is. But the Bible said, not only do they have that nature, but in that they all have sin. That's manifest itself. They're under that condemnation. Well, you say, Brother Billy, sure does sound like man's in a mess. Absolutely. Absolutely. In order for that man to get out from that situation, it's going to take something drastic to happen. If man has a will that's bent towards sin, if he has a mind that's polluted, if he has affections that are perverted, and he's not seeking God, he doesn't have any desire to be saved, he doesn't want to change. What's going to, how, how's he going to get any help? How's he going to get any help? God had a plan. And that plan was a savior. His name's Jesus. And he looked at man and he said, because of sin, their mind is corrupt and their heart's corrupt, their will's corrupt and all those things. But God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son that whoso believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You say, well, Brother Billy, how, how does that all work? He gave his son to die. I read your passage of scripture here in the Old Testament. Listen to what it says. Lord, thou wilt ordain peace for us, for thou also hast wrought all our works in us. I'm glad that God didn't want you to stay lost. He gave his son to suffer and bleed and die for you. Before you were ever born. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not only did Christ die, he was buried and rose again. He's alive right now. But not only was he dead and buried and rose again, but he said, I'm going to do this. I'm leaving, but I'm going to send the Holy Ghost. And his job will be to go across the world and convict men and women, boys and girls of sin and righteousness and judgment. And he said, when he convicts them, he shows them that they're lost and they can't do a thing about it. He said, he'll reveal me. He'll show them the Savior. I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And then he said this, for by grace are you saved through faith in that, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There came a point in time in my life and those who are saved here tonight that they knew they couldn't do anything about. It. They knew they were bound in sin. They knew they were on their way to hell. But God in his marvelous grace came and he spoke to their heart, showed them their losses. And then through his marvelous grace, he dealt to them a measure of faith. They responded and they believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he that hath the son hath life. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt 
shalt be saved in thy house. And in a moment, in just that moment, like Nicodemus, he said he, that you can be born again, become a brand new creature in Christ Jesus and get saved by the grace of God. And listen, he said in the last part of that chapter there, he says this, he said, Thy dead men shall live. I was dead in trespasses and sin, but you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. And that part of me that was dead, there came a day in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, in the front yard of a little four-room house, my mama's house, on a little metal glider. A preacher by the name of Ted James shared the gospel message with me that I was lost and on my way to hell and Jesus Christ died for my sin. God made that real to me. And at that moment, I responded in faith and received Jesus. Jesus Christ. And boy, something got alive inside of me. And it gets more and more alive the more I read the Word of God. He quickened me. And I don't go to church because I have to. I don't preach because I have to. I don't worship Him because I have to. I do it because I want to. Where I didn't want to go to church, now I want to go to church. Where I didn't want to serve Him, now I want to serve Him. Where I didn't love Him, now I love Him. Where I didn't understand the Word of God, now it illuminates my heart. Because He made something come alive inside of me. And the problem with most church members or many church members across America... They have no life in them. They've never been born again by the grace of God. Dead men have got to come alive. Boy, I'll tell you when they get alive, you know it. Just suppose, listen, I, I, we've had three funerals here in the last few weeks. And I, God's blessed and I thank God for His mercy and grace. Sister Faye went home with the Lord. Tam is here this morning. She wouldn't want her back. She spent so many long hours. And I'll tell you, I again commend their family. Day, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, they stayed with her. And Sister Faye, bless her heart, she'd writhe in pain and give her all the medication. And I went over one day and, and Tammy had been up all night long and then had to go to work, work for, for us with the sheriff's department. And Janice was their daughter-in-law. And Sister Faye didn't know she was in the world, but she was doing just like this. She's fighting and writhing in pain. Tammy wouldn't want her back like that. Sister Faye didn't want to come back like that. But I'm going to tell you something. If, if there was a situation where a person died, they would, they would de- declare dead and, and everything was legal. And everybody would stand around crying. If that person was to get up out of that casket, you're talking about somebody shouting. You're talking about a family rejoicing. And you're talking about what a difference that would make. And listen, when there's something dead inside of you and God the Holy Ghost quickens you and makes you alive through the new birth experience, boy, listen, something begins to happen. I mean, there's something real. I'm just telling you, there are folks in the sound of my voice on the Internet and in this building. That's never happened to you. That's never happened to you. Because you've never been born again by the grace of God. But you can be. He wanted to save you. He said this. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. I'm glad he rescued the perishing. I'm glad he cares for the dying. And he wants to save you this morning. You say, Brother Billy, what must I do? Cast yourself on the mercies of God. Come by grace and say, Lord Jesus, save me. God, I can't save myself. But the dead men can live again. Dead boys and girls can live again. Dead women can live again. New life inside of you. Boy, he'll birth that life inside of you. And what a difference it will make when he does that in your life. Thank God. Listen, Isaiah caught a glimmer of it. He saw it in relationship to a nation, but it can be, it is easily applied to the life of an individual.